Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Chesa stomped, sanity prevailed in San Francisco, J6 show trials, the mules already won, the Democrats are clueless, child-friendly Dallas drag show, there is no such thing, and Biden power grab when climate fear-mongering. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Okay, so folks, <clears throat> if you watch the show all the time, you're recognizing this is yet another new studio. As I mentioned, Real News PR and the studio that does my show, Real News Communication Network, a fabulous studio in Dallas has been expanding. So my Monday through Wednesday shows will sometimes be in this studio, sometimes in the studio you saw me in Monday and Tuesday, and maybe even sometimes from home. But I'll be here every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. But I love this new studio, first day here, and I, I can't tell you just how, um, how professional, upscale, and just wonderful this place is. Tomorrow, I want to tease our show and so if you're listening today to America Can We Talk, please write down a calendar to listen tomorrow, Thursday, June 9th at 3 p.m. Central Time. Our guests on the show live in studio tomorrow will be Tina Peters and Sharona Bishop. And Tina Peters is the amazing, true American hero, served as a Mesa County clerk in Colorado, and then uh, be became the uh, aware of and actually gathered evidence of the capacity for Dominion voting machines to actually be hacked and elections uh, manipulated, elections stolen. She gathered that evidence and she is now, she was uh, indicted for doing just that, gathering evidence of the truth about elections in Colorado. And um, she has, shortly after uh, being released from her short time in jail, she has announced that she's running for Colorado Secretary of State. She's part of a national movement for conservatives to restore the positions of Secretary of State and District Attorneys to positions to, to people who actually want to follow the law in this country. M many people learned fairly recently in America that there had been an effort by the George Soros, uh, nefarious George Soros organization to literally since 2006 fund uh, races for secretaries of state around the country in key swing states with the precise goal of putting people in those positions who would contort elections and contort the law, contort outcomes in order to ensure Democrat victories. That's now how 
George Soros would describe it, but that's what it was. So recently, conservatives became aware, you know what, if we want to actually have fair elections and we want to be competitive in those elections, we have to make sure we put people in office who actually plan to follow the law in their state for Secretary of State and the District Attorney. So she is now running for Colorado State Secretary, uh, the state of Colorado, Secretary of State. She'll be in studio tomorrow for a full special one hour interview along with Sharona Bishop, who is her um, amazingly brave right-hand person uh, who was very much involved in the whole episode in Colorado. You'll hear from both of them tomorrow. So mark your calendar. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show. But on today's first five, and speaking of people put into office by the corruption and manipulation of George Soros and his money, uh, there was a recall election in San Francisco yesterday, or it was the culmination of a recall election yesterday, and the voters in San Francisco, even left-leaning San Francisco, voters in San Francisco overwhelmingly removed the sitting district attorney, Chase Budin, and he was removed because of the way he conducted himself in office. He endangered the citizens of San Francisco. And those citizens finally said, enough is enough. And you know that it was a very, it was almost 60% of the voters voted to recall him. So he's in the middle of his term as district attorney, having won that seat with the money, with money largely funded by George Soros and other nefarious left-wing characters. But a couple of interesting points about Chase Budin being recalled. Yesterday in my show, I talked a lot about his background. He had both his uh, uh, you know, real parents, adoptive parents, all four left-wing radical extremists, anti-American people. These are people who raised him. And so, so he come, comes to a very, very left-wing background. And he brought to office in the district attorney, he said in his campaign what he was going to try to do was end the, what he called a two-tier justice system, you know, because there is poverty in America that causes some people have a harder time. The poor don't get as fair a deal in the election system as in the um, criminal justice system as others. So he was running to make things fairer for those who are impoverished and also people of color. He and so, you know, these are in the abstract, really appealing ideas. Sure, that's a great thing, you know, make things fairer. In reality, what it meant is he made life in San Francisco more dangerous. In fact, lethal to the citizens of San Francisco. And you know he's in trouble when the Washington Post, you know, the mouthpiece of left-wing America, can't hardly find a Democrat they want to criticize. They ran an opinion piece talking about Budin having been recalled. And the title of it is, the title tells you the whole story. Budin's recall proves Democrats have lost the public's trust on crime. Yeah, big, big time. As one example they give, in San Francisco, they had, uh, last year, in 2021, they had more people die in San Francisco of fentanyl overdoses than died of COVID-19. Fentanyl on the streets, drug dealers everywhere, fentanyl pouring across the southern border, which the Biden administration will, will not secure, but more deaths in San Francisco from fentanyl overdoses than from COVID-19, and guess the number of convictions this district attorney, whose job it is is to enforce the law and protect the citizens of San Francisco to create a life where law and order prevails. Guess how many people, how many convictions he got in 2021 for all these people obviously dealing fentanyl on the streets of San Francisco. 
zero. He did not decide to make life fairer for anyone. He made life, maybe for criminals who don't ever want to be caught and prosecuted, he made life better. But for the average Joe American, even people living in left-leaning San Francisco who work hard, pay their taxes, expect to feel relatively safe in the streets, this guy got exactly zero convictions for fentanyl sales, meaning he's just letting it go. By a simple contrast, in 2018, his predecessor, district attorney, got 90, 90 convictions for drug dealing uh, in the year, actually in the year 2018. So just that, just one little teasing example, but I want to just close out the first five by saying this. Law and order people around this country have been pointing out that what George Soros is doing in pushing to get people in the positions of district attorney in major, we talked about yesterday, I ran through a list of the other district attorneys currently or having held office as DA funded by George Soros. They make the argument, the people who defend Soros and defend these left-leaning district attorneys is that we really have some shortcomings in the justice system. Sometimes it is unfair. Sometimes people who are poor don't have the same quality representation as people who can afford to hire expensive attorneys. Clearly true. We may need to address that problem. And America may need to decide to do something about that problem. No one is saying that our justice system is perfect. And there are many people on the conservative side, in fact, President Trump worked toward some reforms of the criminal justice system. Very good friends of ours who are conservative Republicans actively support criminal justice reform. You can make reforms in the criminal justice system that are needed and are in fact beneficial for uh, society at large by you know, doing things that are less than locking people up for long term, perhaps shortening sentences in some cases, and even addressing the issues of why people commit crime to start with. Many people who study the criminal justice system will point out that the majority, a very, very, at least significant plurality of, or not, if not majority of people, especially young people who commit crimes, grew up in single family homes, no dad around, no model, role model showing them how to live life. And so getting at the deeper underlying problems in our society is something all of us should care about. The criminal justice reform movement does have benefits to it. It does have good goals of making life and the justice system fairer for everyone. But what the left has done, what Soros has done, and the district attorneys whom he has pushed into office, their idea of making America fairer is just to let crime go, to simply not prosecute. And that somehow makes it fairer. I'll tell you, there was another quick statistic. Um, burglaries in San Francisco are up 45%. And I can tell you, by the way, I have spent a lot of time in San Francisco. We had a family member living there a few years ago, and I visited a couple of times. Everyone knew if you parked your car anywhere in the city and you had even the handle of your briefcase visible through the window, even though you tucked it under your seat, 
if the handle of your briefcase was shown, the handle of your purse was visible through the window, someone inevitably in very, very nice neighborhoods is going to smash your window, your car window, and steal your briefcase or your purse. San Francisco has been on decline for a long time as crime grows and grows and grows. What the people of San Francisco decided in removing the district attorney through a significant recall vote, almost 60% is, you know, we all might be kind of softies and we all might feel bad about some crime and we all want to help people not commit lives of crime, not be involved in lives of crime. But criminal justice reform cannot have as its goal, as it does to the American left, just ignore crime, ignore theft, ignore burglary, ignore, ignore drug dealing, and therefore you make life better. You make life worse for everyone. And one final closing point in those first five. The highest and best idea in criminal justice reform is to treat criminals, to punish them for the crime they committed, have the arrest, have the prosecution, have some punishment, but ultimately to treat people of every race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color as people who are capable of being reformed, except for, of course, the most violent you know, mass murderers of people who never should get out of prison again capable of being reformed, capable of living a life of honor and decency and law-abiding self-sufficiency and finding their place in our society, treating people like that. That concept, that comes from the Judeo-Christian values of this country, the idea that we see each person as having potential and worth and value. Another idea the left can't stand, but the ultimate idea of criminal justice reform cannot be to ignore the law as the left wants. It has to be treating people with the idea that you must be responsible for the crime you committed, and then we're gonna help you find your way back into society, and you've gotta decide you care enough about your life and your future to live a life free of crime. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So in this new studio, I wanna tell you our radio listeners, I don't have um, a uh, clock in front of me. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening on radio, first of all, thank you for listening on radio. If you're listening on radio, you can always actually listen to my show and see my show on my website, americacanwetalk.org. americacanwetalk.org. You can go to that, that website any day. You can see the live shows. You can see Later, you can see the interviews, the past interviews, past shows, blog posts. You can see our Why It Matters features. It's a great way to do it. But for our radio listeners, you have a three-minute break at the bottom of the hour. And I want you to know, just when we go off at the bottom of the hour, um, wherever time zone you're in, 3.30, 4.30, we do come back after a short three minutes, so don't go away. And at the end of the show, I always try to talk to our radio listeners too, but I'm going to say it right now. You're listening to America Can We Talk, and I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, to learn more about this show and about me. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. The show is America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. Okay, okay. So what I want to talk about, there's so much news and so little time, as I would say. So the January 6th trials that people are calling the J6 trials, the January 6th trials are coming up. The Democrats are about, they're exuberant with the idea, the Democrats in Washington, D.C., who are on the uh, January 6th uh, Inquisition Committee. It's not dealing with an insurrection. It is an Inquisition Committee. But they are starting hearings this coming Thursday. They've actually timed the hearings uh, for the January 6th uh, episode in the, at the U.S. Capitol uh, to be able, for everyone across America, to be able to watch it. It's 8 p.m. Eastern, which is what the networks often do when they try to make sure that all the way across the fruited plain, all the way to California, 
people may be able to tune in. So it's not in the heart of the business day. So I believe it's 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, tomorrow. They're going to start the January 6th hearings. They are so excited about the idea of what they think they can accomplish in these January 6th hearings. They actually hired at taxpayer expense, not joking, your tax dollars at work. They hired at taxpayer expense a professional producer. This isn't just like, you know, turning on the camera inside Congress and watching this hearing. This is actually a, um, they hired a veteran TV producer to create a blockbuster investigative special. This is the Democrat run and the two people who still put an R by their name and, and serve on the January 6th committee are not Republicans. They are fools. They are Democrats. They are clueless. But back to this, I want to talk about how important this is to America and why it's so important to the Democrat Party. What the Democrats are thinking is that even though everything has gone to ruin under the Biden administration in this first you know, year and a few months under the Biden administration, you know, we've had just ruin, havoc, chaos, economy out of control. Everything is going badly in America and every American realizes this the Democrats are worried about the fall elections. They're worried in 2022, come November, that if they can't, again, manipulate and cheat, that we will end up with a Republican majority in the House, U.S. House, Republican majority in the Senate, and those people just may start impeachment proceedings, well-deserved or not. Uh, they are well-deserved. Whether or not they do it, I don't know. But those that's what they're worried about is they're worried about the fall elections. And so this is a last desperate grasping at straws by the Democrats thinking that the American people will be so outraged <clears throat> by what they see as they are watching the January 6th hearing. And it, is, it starts Thursday, goes on at, in the evenings, goes on for a long time. They think Americans will be so outraged by it that they won't really care what Biden has done to our country. And I'm telling you people, they are clueless. The Democrats live in their little Washington bubble and they convince each other that everybody loves Biden. Everybody loves everything he's doing. I mean, t by the way, there was a um, clip. I don't have it ready, but I'm just going to tell you about it. The Democrats try that thing. You know that thing in Star Wars where, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi puts a spell on people. And so they're watching, you know, the security guards are watching uh, for drones and they, they have them. He's kind of mesmerized them, he says. And so he's uh, telling them, these are not the drones you're looking for. These are not the drones you're looking for. This is what the Biden team is trying to do about the whole wreck of the economy and wreck of the country. I just saw, uh, by the way, a little clip. It was the, uh, the new White House spokesperson um, who is just, you know, a, a leftist to beat the ban. And she actually said, I think it was this morning, she actually said, uh, the economy is just in, in great condition. The economy is uh, better condition than it's been ever. Joe Biden said the economy, very recently said, the economy is the best it's been since 2013. They think they can look in the camera and tell you the economy's fine, everything's cool. And people go, well, I mean, you know, Joe Biden said it. He said it on television. You know, the White House spokesperson, she said it, it must be true. But, the, but, you know, they, they think they have that power to mesmerize the American people, but they don't. The American people are wide awake and they can see what a wrecking ball operation, a wrecking operation the Biden administration is against the entire country. 
abandoning the southern border, inflation out of control, gas prices so high people can't afford to drive back and forth. To, they're moving to get closer to work because they can't afford the gas to drive to work. Every single thing the Biden administration has done, foreign policy, domestic policy, has been against the interests of the American people and in the interests of the growing power in Washington out of the left. I'm telling you, the American people are wide awake. And they also, many American people saw the film, the 2000 Mules, the Dinesh D'Souza film. They are fully aware, if they weren't before, of the radical nature of the theft of the 2020 election. They're aware of the data. There were more information coming out daily. And against all that information, what Joe Biden and the Democrats think in Washington is they can just put on a show trial. They can have their, you know, professional television producer and put on a show for the American people and dazzle the American people with the outrageous behavior they would try to say happened on January 6th, try to hang this on President Trump around his neck as an insurrection, and they actually think, they truly actually think the American people will ignore all the destruction of America happening at the hands of the Biden administration and be so upset by the freak show parade the January 6th committee tries to put on that they, the Democrats, can hang on to power because people will be so outraged they just, they just can hardly believe it. They, they won't be able to stand it. They'll just, that they'll just give in and, and whatever the Democrats want, they get because you, know, you can't have this insurrection stuff happening. Well, to start with what the American people really think. Number one, most people in Washington who went down to Washington January 6th of 2021 had already become aware of significant evidence of voter fraud. And just practical, you know, look out the window, look at the country, use your, open your eyes, watch the, you know, crowds flowing to the Trump rallies and the non-existent Biden campaign, campaign hiding out in his basement in Delaware. People saw that. They, they know the country was in great shape. The economy was doing well. The border was being secured. Lowest unemployment rates for every category of Americans ever. And these are great numbers coming out of the Trump administration. And everyone knew that. Everyone can see that. And yet somehow the left tried to claim that Biden won an enormous, unprecedented 81 million votes to defeat a very popular president. So back to January 6, 2021, the people in Washington already knew that didn't happen. And since that time, they have many people have now seen the Mules film, the, the uh, film put out by Dinesh D'Souza, along with the brilliant help of Catherine Engelbrecht, his 2000 Mules, which was depicting the way just the mail-in ballot fraud occurred. That film captured information just relating to mail-in ballots. And the mail-in ballot fraud was sufficient all by itself in numbers to have flipped the election. And the numbers are in the film. If you haven't seen the film, you have to go to it. So put yourself in what the January 6th committee thinks. They think the American people are so stupid, so easily duped, that despite the growing information around the country about election fraud, the, the Mules film, it relates to the, the uh, mail-in ballot fraud, massive, massive other states coming out with overwhelming information, proof of electronic fraud all over the country. And somehow the Democrats think all of that, the American people will put aside and say, but, but, but look what happened. Look what the January 6th committee is showing me. They're showing me that, you know, this is a really, really terrible thing. I want to just um, tell you, I have a bunch of stuff on this and I want to um, uh, tell you this uh, very um, 
I, I think it's an important thing to remember. With the January 6th committee, the Democrat-led, and this is actually a Democrat-led, you know, witch hunt against Trump, and is designed not just to attack Trump and not just to frighten Trump supporters, it's designed as a message to every conservative in America, you are never going to have a future if you dare stand up for the ideas of America. You're not going to be successful politically. We're going to come after you. It is a warning. It's a shot across the bow to conservatives in this country saying, this is what we do to conservatives. We put on show trials. We attack people who did nothing wrong. We have FBI breaking down your door because you're at the mall in Washington on January 6th. This is the left use of its power in Washington to frighten the living daylights out of the American people. Out and out, not just the people who were at, the, at Washington January 6th, but all the people who thought about that there was election fraud, who still think it, who want to perhaps run for office, who want to speak up. This is a message from the left. You will shut up and you will not complain. They're trying in this committee hearing, this January 6th hearing, this public freak show, trying to get the American people to think that January 6th was unjustified, that it was an insurrection. And I'm telling you, I believe the majority of Americans recognize the January 6th thing happened because election fraud happened in 2020 and the people were outraged. But back to the January 6th thing, you know, they're trying to pin this on Trump. And I have a video and I'm just going to tell you, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing, but this is on a Sean Hannity show. And this was either on Sean Hannity's show fairly recently, but he interviewed Cash Patel and Chris Miller. And this ran either, uh, and they were talking about what happened in the White House either on January 4th or 5th. So before January 6th, I want to have Mr. Wonderful Emilio, the producer, play this little clip. The understanding is this. There were five of you in the room, President Trump, Mark Meadows, both of you, and General Milley. Is that correct, uh, Mr. Secretary? Yeah, that's exactly correct, Sean. Hey, first off, if, if you don't mind, thanks for taking this on. I can't help but think 78 years ago tonight, if we were alive, uh, Cash and I would have been on the front lines. You would have been there along with Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite uh, taking back Europe from the Nazis. And uh, this is our front line now. So thanks for taking this on and, and being serious about it. There hasn't been enough serious conversation. And this is an exclusive first time Cash and I have been on together because we've been separated uh, to make sure there was an appearance of collusion or anything like that. So thanks for taking this on. So so the four of you that I've had an opportunity to interview now confirm that on January 4th in the Oval Office that you heard Donald Trump authorize up to 20,000 troops, Cash Patel, uh, two days before January 6th even happened. Tell us about that meeting. Yeah, it's not one of those, thanks again, Sean, like Chris said, for having us, especially on D-Day, to talk about this serious matter. It's not one of those meetings you forget. The Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, the Chief of Staff to the President of the United States of America, Mark Meadows, and the President of the United States himself in the Oval Office talking about some of the most serious national security threats we were facing. And then we pivoted to setting up for January 6th, and Mr. Trump unequivocally authorized up to 20,000 National Guards men and women for us to utilize should the second part of the law, the request, come in. But those requests never did, as you highlighted. Let, let, me, let me be very clear. Both of you said this under oath, under the threat of a penalty of perjury? To the committee? Oh, absolutely, Sean. And to be clear, Cash brought it up best. 
the meeting was uh, one. Of, it was one of the serious kind of heavy meetings I've been in, and it was about a foreign threat that was directed towards the United States, which obviously we can't talk to for about for fear of you know ended up in jail. And uh, so I want to I, I kind of want to like be clear. The president, as we're leaving, it says, "Hey, one more thing," and we all sat back down and we discussed what was going on in January 6th. I don't want to because I think that's important to bring up so that uh, the opposition doesn't get this idea that this was the purpose of the meeting. The president was doing exactly what I expect the commander-in-chief to do, any commander-in-chief to do. He was looking at the broad threats against the United States, and he brought this up as on his own. We did not bring it up. Okay, we can jump in and stop him there. I have to tell you folks, if you're not catching what they're saying, first of all, Chris Miller was the very, very, very late in the Trump uh, presidency uh, acting, I think, Secretary of Defense, Cash Patel, very high up guy. So they're saying, I want this to sink in because right now you're going to listen to these clowns on the January 6th committee try to convince the American people that what occurred on January 6th was an insurrection effort and a coordinated insurrection effort by the president by President Trump. These people are telling you, just told you in that clip, two days before, in the, in the Oval Office with President Trump and the other people they mentioned were all in the office, like five people total, Trump was suggesting that we ought to have 20,000 extra National Guard troops at the Capitol on January 6th. It wasn't the purpose of the meeting. This is um, Secretary Miller's point very near the end when I cut him off was it wasn't the purpose of the meeting to discuss this, but they were discussing a range of concerns facing America. But Trump was saying to his team, let's do this, get 20,000 extra people there. There could be foreign threats. Everyone understood how consequential January 6th was going to be. There had been a lot of controversy between the election day, November 3rd and January 6th. Many, many people very much in doubt about the outcome of the election, not believing the report about the outcome of the election, plus the potential for foreign interference, a hugely consequential day. So Trump's head goes to, let's protect the Capitol. Why don't we get 20,000 extra troops there, National Guard troops, to protect the Capitol? And what you just heard them say in that clip you played, we played, this was known. They said they testified to this to the January 6th committee. They said Trump wanted extra people here. Now, if you are Trump and you're planning an insurrection, you're planning to seize power on January 6th, you're not going to be the one to say, let's get extra troops at the Capitol. So Trump said that. These guys said that. They testified. They, he just said they testified at the January 6th hearings when they were called themselves as witnesses. Yeah, this is what Trump said. You get people there. And you understand, or if you don't understand, let me tell you, the other person who had to okay that in order for that troop deployment to happen, that 20,000 extra people at the Capitol, was no one other than Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who would not authorize it. Ask yourself why. Why would Nancy Pelosi not? Why wouldn't the Speaker of the House, fully aware of how a a really tinderbox situation, great controversy in the country over the elections, if you were Nancy Pelosi, you should be jumping up and down and say, yes, yes, please, let's have, make sure we have protection here. She wouldn't do it. And yet, she authorizes and creates a January 6th committee they know that Trump tried to have protection there. And 
she says no, and yet we all have to now go through this ongoing national parade, this fantasy, this parade of foolishness of this January 6th public hearing, again, all because the Democrats are very, very, very worried that they are not going to win the midterm elections unless they can again cheat, which, uh, you know, is entirely possible. But I want to mention other things that mention some other things that should be asked if we're going to have this January 6th hearing, which I'm going to guarantee you, or we'll talk about it, but I don't think they're going to have these things. Uh, one is, what about the unbelievable fact that there are still 14,000 hours of surveillance video, 14,000 hours of surveillance video that showed what happened inside and outside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th that the Democrats won't release. Now, if you're putting this on trial, you're saying, we want to see what happened. We want the American people to know you would put it out there. They won't do it because the more evidence that comes out, the, I'm, I'm not, to be really clear, I always say about January 6th, a very tiny number of characters, a minute proportion of characters did things that were unlawful and they've been prosecuted. The mass majority of people in Washington were there lawfully and entered the Capitol because the Capitol Police held the door open and welcomed people. That video finally came out in one of the trials, one of the prosecutions. But the Capitol Police invited people in. Many people milled around that beautiful big rotunda inside the Capitol, took pictures, left. They were prosecuted. One of them I know personally had her door, slammed, uh, you know, door broken down by the FBI. Never did anything except for get inside the Capitol and stand in the rotunda and you know, take pictures and record a video. That's what she did. So I'm telling you, this is, we are watching an ongoing takedown of America. The January 6th commission are fully aware that there was not an insurrection on January 6th. They're fully aware that Trump tried to protect the Capitol. Pelosi wouldn't do it. They're fully aware they're withholding video. I'll tell you something else really, really very interesting that, the, that we'll, I'm sure not gonna hear anything about during this hearing on January 6th. Some of the left-wing lunatics who are trying to claim this was an insurrection have actually claimed that some Republican members of the House, members of Congress, were, were bringing people through the Capitol on January 5th, the day before, to kind of show them the lay of the land, show them how it's going to go down, what was going to happen. I mean, they were, they, you know, they're claiming it was that much of a plot. And so... That, that they were helping people understand how to get in and which hallways to take and whatever the, the whole path would have been. They're actually blaming fellow Republicans for doing this. However, there is security video. The Capitol always has security video running on January 5th. And you think we're going to see that? No is the answer. And the reason is the Capitol Police erased almost all of the surveillance video from the day before the protest. That's a, that's a fact. Why would that be? I mean, the most consequential event, you know, and a claim of an insurrection and the Capitol Police erased all, nearly all of the security video from January 5th. I don't think the January 6th commission is going to bother investigating that one. There also, you know, is there going to be an investigation of why this Capitol Police officer shot and killed an American veteran, a U.S. veteran, Ashley Babbitt? And I mean, they're just things that they should, that the public really should know are not going to come out. What you're going to see is just this freak show, show trial, January 6th outrage 
trying to blame people in America for, and as I go back to how I started this segment, the reason people were so upset on January 6th and continue to be so upset is because they see many, many proof points, many, many things they know that tell them that the elections of 2020 were rigged, that they were not fair, that, they, that we didn't get the outcome that the people chose. They were upset about that. They showed up and they protested. And the January 6th committee, beside trying to be engaged, is one evidence of the way the left is treating this whole election of 2020. They're going after everybody who even thought about supporting or may in the future want to support Trump and making them feel threatened by their own government. You know, we just may come after you next. You're not allowed. You are not allowed to think things or believe things that they have not authorized. And related to that, I want to remind you, this ties very much into how the Department of Homeland Security has defined domestic terrorism. Within three or four days of Biden, you know, he who assumed office in, in January 20th of 2021, within three or four days, the Department of Homeland Security put out a, uh, it was just a bulletin at the time saying, alluding vaguely to the idea that if that people who discuss and question the outcome of the 2020 election, question its legitimacy, uh, might just be terrorists. It was really early on, and I don't, very few people caught that. And I, I read about it, and I got a great expert in the show to talk about it. Kyle Scheidler came on to talk about it. That was one thing. Well, now we have February of this year, 2022, we have DHS actually saying, if you dare to challenge the election outcome of 2020, you might be a domestic terrorist and treated like one. I mean, this is a leftist takeover of the entire process, of the entire process. And one more thing. So January 6th is about villainizing everyone who dares doubt the election outcome, dares to question the Democrats. The Mueller investigation was a complete cover-up of what Hillary Clinton, the Clinton campaign, Fusion GPS, Perkins Coie, DOJ, FBI, all of them did to try to prevent Trump from winning before the election of 2016, and then during the first three of his four years of his presidency, try to take him out. That actually does constitute an effort to take down, take out a duly elected president of the United States. All of that, so far, we've had a little bit of investigation, but to understand what Mueller's role, Mueller's role was to cover the investigation of the entire Trump-Russia collusion, non-existent, the, the, the hoax, the entire investigation by Mueller was for the goal of covering for and covering the tracks of Hillary Clinton and her ilk who cooked up the entire Trump-Russia collusion. We are watching people do things in positions of power in America that have no precedent in America. These are things that happen in third world countries and communist countries where once a new uh, presidency comes in, the new leadership comes in, uh, and this happened in communist takeovers. They take over, even if they take over from another communist, and everybody, the entire government's purged, and everybody who supported the previous person is put on trial, show trials. And I mean, we're watching a freak show, show trial in this January 6th thing. And for heaven's sakes, if you watch it, do not be in one, do not give an inch to, do not even think about giving credence to the idea that these people are making a valid point that should in any way impact your goal, your mission, to get them out of power as soon as possible in the elections of 2022. 
Okay, I want to hit a really quick story, and I, I took longer than I mentioned that last one, but this is a really quick story. Um, there's an um, ongoing debate in uh, Dallas and all over the country, um, which has to do with this um, drag queen. Uh, they have drag queen story hours, but there was actually a, a drag queen uh, event put on by a... Um, so to be really clear, this is men, men who like to dress as women, who have drag show clubs and strip clubs, and they show up and they, men dress as women and then prance around and sing or whatever they do, and they ask people to you know, give them money. So these things are, you know, it's legal in America. I mean, these are, you know, you're an adult. You can do this if you want to. You can be a guy and want to dress as a woman and prance around and go to nightclubs, and people can come watch you. These are legal things in America. However, there's a, a drag club in Dallas that actually featured, they called it, Drag the Kids to Pride. In fact, if you have, uh, Mr. Emilio, if you have clip three, it's just a picture to put up. Um, picture to put up, yeah, there you go. That was a slide, Drag the Kids to Pride. So they were inviting children to come at nighttime to a, a, a strip show uh, a drag show with men dressed as women, so you can take that down. And there became a bit of a controversy in Dallas because uh, it appeared that there was a, a high school, you can, yeah, high school coach who had um, had invited students to attend this. It appeared that there was a volleyball coach from a local school who invited a high school invited kids to come. But so the drag show thing happens, and I want to play. There's just a, a short clip. Um, it's just a this is first, yeah, just clip one. I want to show you what this, um, this, where these drag queens on stage are inviting children, small children, who should be out playing kickball instead, invite them up on stage. Let's just play clip one. I need all my, if you, if you know, and you think you can do it like we do it, I want you to come up here real quick. If you think you can do it, if you think you can walk the runway with the girl, who wants to be a diva for the day? Okay, that's a guy. That's a guy. doing a speech in person, I would say, raise your hand if you think this would be a great thing to take your children or grandchildren to, because I'm going to guess no hands would go up. What you saw in that crowd, you know, there's all these men who like to dress as women for whatever reason they have, and they strut around in women's clothes and pretend they're women and, you know, whatever they do. But they have small children in this in this drag queen show, and they what they're encouraging is all the kids to act like a drag queen guy. And, you know, there's, so that little boy you saw, I couldn't tell the expression in his face if he was embarrassed and forced into it or he thought it was kind of funny. 
But anyway, so that happened. And then the other thing, I'll show you quickly, and then I'll comment on it, uh, the other quick clip from the Drag Queen Story Hour. This is clip two. That's a guy. That is a guy. Okay. I wanted to share that with you for a couple quick reasons. Yes, drag queens are allowed to be drag queens and you're adults and you're allowed to have clubs I and mean, there's no law against it. You can have a club and you can have a bunch of guys who for whatever confusion they suffer from want to dress as women and prance around. These things are legal. What people are in an uproar about is number one, children there. And number two, you saw there are, there are alleged adults sitting there with babies in their hands and dancing to the music and bouncing the baby to the music. And I want to I want to raise it because number one, I could not dig up the story, the name or the name of the school of the uh, supposed this volleyball coach from some school in Dallas who encouraged the students to come down. And they did go down to watch at this, this drag queen pride, drag your kid to pride, whatever it was called, week, day. So there was a teacher involved. But as I'm looking that up, there may be you know, 10 other stories came up from states around the country, you know, just saying, yeah, Ohio teacher, North Dakota teacher, teachers from schools around the country who think that part of their, you know, informing, enlightening, educating, teaching inclusion and diversity of children should be to encourage kids to watch drag queen story hours and drag queen events, story hours, other things, go to events like this, learn how to act like a drag queen, and I want to, the reason I really wanted to hit this today is just to say adults can do what they want. But when you hear parents around the country, conservatives around the country, especially Christian parents, but parents of every background saying, I don't want you sexually grooming my children in kindergarten or even all the way through high school, public school taxpayer-funded public school is not for the purpose of sexually grooming children. It's not what school is for. School is for teaching them skills such as reading, writing, arithmetic, learn how to do science experiments, not to sexually groom. That little video you just saw, that is grooming. That is normalizing in the mind of that little kid, however old he was, six or something, normalizing in his mind that this is a, a really normal thing to do. This is part of life. You know, yeah, you are a grown-up guy, but you uh, do your hair and put on makeup and dress like a woman and prance around, pretend you're a woman, and he's imitating her. And, you know, I mean, I, I got to tell you, folks, the parents who would take their kids there, they actually really need help. I mean, that there's something wrong with the way you're thinking if you think that's wise to take young children to. But it is exactly the kind of thing that parents are upset about when they say call this alleged public edu school education for LGBTQ inclusion and, and diversity and all of that. They call it grooming. That's grooming. That's grooming. That's grotesque. It's teaching small children. This is normal. It's real. And hey, we go for it. I got to tell you, folks, um, I'm, glad there is, uh, I'm glad that parents are speaking up. I, I would, would like to have it be the case that any teacher who would even the slightest encourage or coach anyone, public school employee, encourage kids to go to that kind of thing should lose their job. 
Now, I want you to take, you know, imagine, for example, if a public school teacher was urging their public school students to come out to their Christian church, to come out to their Jewish synagogue, to come and join us in worship of God, to come and learn about the Bible, uh, anything Christian. If a public school teacher tried to say, yeah, I'm encouraging my kids. I want to encourage them all to come to my Sunday school, come to my church. Yeah, you know, I really want them not just to expose them to it, but to really make them feel invited and included in it. The left be hysterical because they do understand. They do understand teachers and other adults in authority. They have the capacity to change the way kids think, to influence them, to mold and shape them. And so when kids are being taught, by a teacher saying, yeah, come to my, you know, Christian church, come to my religious ceremony. You would have parents and the left hysterical saying, you can't, you can't do that. You're propagandizing my children. You're propaganda. You're, you're, you know, teaching them your religion. Yeah. Okay. So we can't do that, which is a whole other question. These people who do this kind of thing with children should, they, they deserve to lose their jobs. The school needs to apologize to parents and get all of this sexual grooming out of the public schools. I don't know what's going to happen with that one case in Texas, but I do know the whole drag, the, in fact, the drag queen establishment put out a very um, indignant defense of their, how they just really were just trying to be inclusion, including us, why they had this whole incident which they invited children to gum, you know, drag your kids to pride, that they were very, they were indignant that anyone questioned that idea that why, you know, why shouldn't kids be there watching men dress up as women prancing around in women's clothes? What's wrong with that? They were, they were offended that someone found it offensive. Seriously, adults in America, you can do what you want, leave the kids alone, and especially the LGBTQIAA and all the endless uh, abbreviation they have for all of those um, preferences in life. They need to leave children alone and they need to stop hassling children in public school. More on that later, but I'm telling you folks, this is, you know, it's, it's amazing to say that I say these kind of things on my show and I think some people will say, oh my gosh, he's a right-wing, far-right, Christian, conservative, you know, intolerant. You know, this is what I'm saying to you. This is Main Street, mainstream, apple pie, America. This is not what I'm saying is exactly what the vast majority of Americans think. And we do not have to have our children subjected to this grooming, uh, manipulation, thought manipulation, introduction of every perversion possible. We don't have to accept it in the public schools, but you have to stand up and you have to fight. Okay, one other quick story, and I'm going to run out of time talking about it, but I called it the Biden power grab. I realized after I said that, it's kind of a double entendre. It's kind of funny. Biden power grab, climate fear mongering. I will tell you that climate, you know, Limbaugh said it first a few years ago, and when he first said it, I thought, no, nah, I don't think that's really true. Limbaugh said, you know, essentially, the climate change fear mongering agenda is a new home of the uh, radical left. It's a new home of the socialists, new home of the communists. At the time, this is years ago when he was first on, probably earlier in mid eighties, you know, I thought it's not really that, you know, I mean, he's, uh, let's see, he's, um, you know, he might have different views on climate policy. The left has different views than the right has, but I didn't recognize it as early on as Limbaugh did that climate is used as an excuse by the left to take socialist control. It is their agenda. 
It is not concerned about the climate. It is an excuse, like other excuses the left uses, to gain power, to acquire power, to take power away out of the hands of people into the hands of those who wish to rule you. So I want to tell you that there, Biden has done two things recently you should know about. Um, and I may even get a climate. I have a really good friend who's a climate uh, expert. I may see if I can get him to come on and talk about these things. But the two things Biden did recently, and these are kind of like, you know, as the left rolls. Uh, one was they recently, the Biden administration recently, without fanfare, announced increasing the amount of ethanol, you know, which comes from corn, ethanol required in the summer blend gasoline. And so right now, you know, these are mandates in the federal government. When you produce gas, you know, gasoline which you purchase to put in your car, you know, you have some, we have in the past had some ethanol mix required. And this is all to fight the evil fossil fuels. So we had ethanol limit, which was originally 10%. You had to have at least 10% in the gasoline. And the Biden administration, without too much fanfare, announced recently got to make that 15%. And there's a great article up, and I linked it on our website, because I cannot, at this moment, given the time I have left, I cannot run through every detail of it. But the gist of it is that this is a mandate, not a suggestion. And number two, this will drive up, it'll reduce the amount of corn, you know, people have, and we have this food shortage coming, allegedly, so it takes more corn out of the, you know, plates and tables in America and into your gas tank, and it will greatly increase the cost of your gasoline. And it's all to fight fossil fuels, a fossil fuel evil. And so that's one thing they did, very, as I say, kind of under the radar, but you know, on its way. So pretty soon your gas is gonna cost more because you're gonna be forced to do that. The second thing they did, the Biden team did, and then again, this is to fight the evil of fossil fuels, that everything must be done to end fossil fuel, to reduce the use of fossil fuels. The left has managed to hypnotize and mesmerize America, really and the world, into thinking fossil fuels are enemy number one, that you know if we don't stop using fossil fuels in the next X years, either we're all gonna die or the planet's gonna heat up and it's gonna be too hot to live on or some other horrible thing's gonna happen. They've managed to make fossil fuels the big boogeyman. And it's really almost like ever, ever having to explain anymore why they're saying that. So, other thing Biden administration did, declared a national emergency for clean energy production. They actually invoked the Defense Production Act, invoked the Defense Production Act to bring, a to declare a national emergency for clean energy production to facilitate a faster transformation of energy economy away from fossil fuels. And so, you know, these are just ongoing efforts and they kind of, they've done this where they've gotten to the point that they're really not any longer addressing the question of how bad are the fossil fuels? How harmful are they to America? How bad is the CO2? Is CO2 in the environment really such a terrible, terrible threat? They don't even have to mention it anymore. They have mesmerized or hypnotized us and just saying, oh, fossil fuels, whatever it takes to get rid of them, stop using them. And I'm gonna have to plant a seed today. So I'll come back to this on Monday because I can't get into it today. We're almost out of time. But there was, just so you know, just so you know, there was a study by the World Bank, a study by the World Bank and also a separate foreign policy, which is a left-wing magazine, foreign policy analysis that both came out and said recently, moving toward 100% solar, wind, and electric and battery energy, you know, all this ending of fossil fuels will be just as destructive to the planet 
just as destructive to the planet as fossil fuels are. In fact, it's an impossibility to get to 100% of, of all these renewables and ending the use of fossil fuels will be actually destructive to the planet. A lot of research out too, which I run out of time to talk about, talking about how fossil fuels, you know, the CO2 is actually vital to America's climate, vital to the world's climate. More CO2 isn't even a bad thing, according to many actual climatologists. It's just been, you've been able to be mesmerized, hypnotized into thinking it's the most evil thing ever. And we gotta get smarter about it because right now the left is going full bore and trying to claim that somehow we're gonna end fossil fuels and make life wonderful and they will make life miserable. More on that next week. I close this show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today um, with the, uh, Chesa, that's the DA in San Francisco, stomped and sanity prevailed. Radical leftist San Francisco district attorney recalled by over 60% of the vote. Even progressive San Francisco finds out of control crime intolerable. More deaths in San Francisco from fentanyl overdoses than from COVID. DA Budin prosecuted zero fentanyl dealing criminals. Predecessor prosecuted 90 cases. I think it was actually in 18. And that was actually got convictions in those cases. Radical leftist prosecutorial theory, solution to a two-tier justice system that's unfair to the poor, um, is more important than ignorant than ignoring crimes by the poor. This leads to an explosion of crime that affects everyone. Conservative American prosecutorial theory enforce law and order while teaching the path and virtues necessary to rise from poverty. And we have the J6 show trials coming up. The mules already won. The Dems are clueless. Beltway bubble appears to prevent January 6th committee from having even a clue about the state of Americans' knowledge of the 2020 election fraud. 2,000 mules has been widely viewed, has changed Democrats' minds about the 2020 election. The J6 committee hired a TV producer to literally present a show trial this coming Thursday as if a show trial over January 6th can overcome America's complete rejection of Joe Biden as an illegitimate president imposing a destroy America agenda never consented to by Americans. The J6 show trial is likely to be a colossal backfire on the January 6th committee and the Democrats. As Dinesh D'Souza captured, the 2020 election was clearly stolen and January 6th was America's primal scream of protest. Great line from Dinesh D'Souza. And child-friendly Dallas drag show, there is no such thing. Drag shows, drag queen story hours, gay bars, strip clubs, none are child-friendly. None are healthy for children. More and more reports of schools and teachers encouraging students to attend these should never be the province of government schools to sexually groom children. Parents should never be goaded into toleration of moral rot as open-minded. Parents have every right to object to teaching that undermines morality and family. Such parents are not domestic terrorists. They are loving parents. Staying silent in the face of state-sponsored moral decay is not an option. Get engaged to turn America around. And on Biden's power grab, climate fear-mongering, Biden invoking the Defense Production Act to move faster toward green energy, leveraging climate alarmism to achieve totalitarian leftist control of America. Please understand, I am not exaggerating. That's exactly what he's doing. 
Don't buy climate alarmism. CO2 is generally healthy for the environment. Cherry-pick data from cherry-pick locations prove nothing. Alarmist predictions are not coming true. Severe storms are declining. There's a whole list of alarmist predictions that never happened, and yet somehow the left still keeps thinking we'll listen to them. Fear of porn is being brandished everywhere by Biden cabal to impose submission and serfdom, refuse to be bullied by such obvious tactics, pandemic hysteria, climate hysteria. Americans do not panic and do not run from problems. Americans inform themselves, then create and innovate solutions to problems. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. First show in the new studio. I love it. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you?